in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. All right, welcome back to the Curious Dimension podcast, where we discuss sacred geometry, ancient civilizations, esoteric texts and wisdom, and what I believe to be the biggest story in human history, UFO disclosure. I am your host, Matt Barone. Today, we will be speaking with Karen Alexander. Karen has decades of research into the crop circle phenomenon. She is the author of the book, Crop Circles, Signs, Wonders, and Mysteries, which is fantastic. If you're at all interested in this subject, I highly recommend it. Karen has a background in psychology and has a wonderful perspective on how the crop circles affect people in personal ways. This was one of my favorite shows so far. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did making it. If you have a moment to hit that subscribe button, that like button, and leave a comment, it really helps out the channel and me to make more content. Without further delay, enjoy the show. Thank you. I really, I really want to thank you for doing this. I've been, I've been fascinated with this. I've done a deep dive into this over the past four or five months. Um, uh, just to kind of tell you where how I found you was I found you through um, the Geometer's Compass podcast that I became a fan of over the yep. past year. And, um, and so I've, I've developed a little bit of a friendship with Scott Onstott. I haven't met Jeff Fitzpatrick yet. I hope to talk to him uh, at some point in the future. But that led me to you. And then I got your book after kind of doing a deep dive into the crop circle phenomenon. And uh, I just thought that your book was so well put together for someone new coming into this. I I'd love to just kind of start. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and how you got into um, this. Well, I'm Karen Alexander. I live in the UK. I first got into crop circles when I was in my early 20s, which is over 30 years ago now. And my initial interest in them was, I think like everybody, you know, that they just presented this great big, huge mystery. And then I, as a, my sort of interest deepened in them, I was very fortunate to meet um, a guy called Michael Glickman, who was my like my mentor for many years and he was a, a trained architect and was really interested in the the form and the shape and the geometry of the crop circle which never really sort of come across sacred geometry before or the fact that geometry could have meaning or that numbers could have meaning. I was completely new to all of that. And I was fortunate then through him to meet people like John Michelle, John Martineau, um, and, and lots of other people really who, you, you know, who have written about geometry over the years. So yeah. And I, and I sort of carried on in his footsteps. We, we sort of lost Michael in 2020 during the pandemic and now there's just sort of a handful of us now that sort of work together um on drawing the circles and the geometry and you know just being totally fascinated by it for all that time one of the things that um i find interesting about your approach to the whole subject is you definitely touch on the sacred geometry aspects of it and uh, i can tell that you enjoy kind of decoding and seeing what's there 
But something I think is of true value that you really bring is your ability to, to see how it affects each individual kind of personally. I recently listened to your article that you wrote that Gary King put uh, in the AI voice of Morgan Freeman. That was really beautiful. And I recommend anybody who's listening that hasn't heard that yet to, to go and give that a listen. I love the way that you talk about how the phenomenon affects the person personally. And you, and you kind of don't get too much into, you don't hang on the who made it. You know, is it a hoax? Is it not a hoax? How does it affect the individual? Could you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's something that you really are, are quite good at. Um, well, I guess I use my own experience of it really and and obviously from talking to lots of other people over the years I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people you know who have visited circles um, who have come to some of the conferences that I've organized over the years and and just listening to how these formations affect people is is just incredible because they they do affect people in different ways but also as you said listening to the article that I wrote that there is kind of a thread that goes through it, goes through the experiences and and it really does change people if if they allow it to. And that article really came around because I wanted to 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 kind of write it down because it's kind of something that we don't really talk about a lot, I think about how these sorts of things um, affect the human being. So it was really important for me to do that. And part of it is also because I have a background in, in psychology. So I was obviously that the way that all this affects people on a personal level is, is very interesting to me. But I kind of, in that article, sort of take people through these kind of, these kind of stages of the way in which first we might come into contact with something like this, but, and then the way in which we are sort of drawn into it, you know, and geometry is a big part of the way that we're drawn into it. I mean, crop circles, for, for a start, here's something that is incredibly beautiful. Um, and, you know, they really are when you, I mean, you, people see them in photographs and things on the internet, but when you see them in person, it's overwhelming. Um, and because some of them are just so huge. So they, the average size of a, a circle in the UK is about 200 feet. So, you know, it's, God. you know, and some of them have been as big as a thousand feet. So it, it's just incredible when you sort of get to see them in real life. And here, yeah, here is something that shouldn't be there, yet it is. Um, very often the way they're placed in the landscape is paired with sacred site particularly in this country, but not just in this country. Um, and they kind of just, even though they shouldn't be there in, in any sort of normal way, there is something also when you see them where they really are, you know, they really do feel they should be there. So there's kind of like that paradox to them. Um, and, and they are incredibly seductive, you know, I mean, the mystery is part of that, um, the mystery of how they get there, who makes them and so on. But the beauty of them is also incredibly seductive. So, so are the settings. So, you know, the, you know, the deep countryside, as I said, the, the ancient sites, you know, all of it is kind of designed to draw you in to this experience. Mm. And even the way that the, you know, that the, the geometry is executed on the ground. It's done in a way 
whereby you have access to most of the spaces inside the crop circle. So instead of, you know, normally when we draw geometrical exercises, we have um, intersections that come together. Uh, In the crop circles, those intersections are sometimes drawn out so that it creates spaces through which you can sort of walk. Um, and, um, my friend Michael used to call those hospitality portals, which is a really good, good, good name for them. So, yeah, so everything's designed to draw you in and to, to get you thinking about, you know, the, the bigger questions of life. I mean, I've had some of the most extraordinary conversations inside crop circles over the years, mostly with people that I've never met before, but everybody sort of seems to be you know, drawn, drawn to the great mystery of it. And then, you know, there are lots of other stages that you might go through. Another one might be when you get to that juncture of, you know, do I carry on and delve more deeply into this or am I just happy to have been enchanted by it for a little while? And I think either way, it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. I think even if you've allowed yourself to be enchanted by it just for a little while, the, the effect is usually very positive. Um, and I think we start to think about how desold the world has become really, you know, and we've kind of taken all the enchantment and the magic out of it. So, you know, even if it get, yeah. just gets you thinking about that, I think that's a net positive, but then of course it can go much deeper than that and it can become a two way thing. So something else that I wanted to describe in that article was you know, the way in which there seems to be something that's reflective or reflexive about the phenomenon that, um, you know, that it, it can, if, again, if you allow it, you know, to speak to you in many different ways, not, not just through their appearance and their, their geometry, but also through experiences of, um, what I would call high strangeness. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a whole other level of reality, if you like, that, that we're kind of, initiated or inducted into, I think, by phenomena like this. And eventually, I think, you know, even with the, with the, the sacred geometry side of it, I just think we come to see the world in a whole different way. And I think that's the magic of, of the phenomenon, really, is that, that it, it kind of has this, just this gentle and beautiful way of just getting people to, to look at reality in a very, and their relationship to it in a very, very different way. And maybe to reinstall and and reenchant the world for a lot of people. So, you know, I think it's I think I mean personally, I think it's an amazing phenomenon. I you know, um, it certainly changed my life for the better. Um, that that you know, spend some time and don't get don't get caught up in the drama of it. I, I you know, I think that's the other thing. You know, it can be very easy to get caught up in the drama of these things and and the arguing, endless arguing over. Is it real? Is it not real? And all of that. And I, and I just think at the end of the end of the day, you know, if this is not for you, then walk away because it's not for everybody. But for yeah. me, I just I enjoy living in the mystery of it. I don't have to. For me, it's not not a thing about is it real? Is it something I can prove? I mean, of course, it's real because they're there for a start. Um, mm. But but I'm kind of just happy to live in the mystery of it and and just to be utterly enchanted by it you know and i and and through that you know it's it's opened up so many doors you know whether it's been the door into things like sacred geometry or 
you know, lots of other mm. things as well. Meditation, something that this really yeah. got me involved in as well. So, so yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to get into some of the evidence, yep. if you don't mind, a little bit further down the conversation, because I do find that stuff very fascinating. Mm. But I was having this thought the other day that I've been into the UFO phenomenon now for, I guess I kind of found it in 2006. And that kind of crop circle phenomenon, that kind of opened the aperture a little bit further. So I can imagine anybody that sees one of these things and understands that it wasn't there the night before, they see it that morning. You can't help but be bewitched by this, this yep. phenomenon that has taken place in front of you. Um, no matter what you think, where it came from, it's going to kind of boggle your mind a little yep. bit. But no, I did want to ask this question. What kind of misconceptions do people have about the phenomenon? How do you address those? Do you ever see someone that, that talks about a crop circle and they don't really know what it means or what it is? Maybe we should start by, by defining what okay, is a crop that's circle. that's a good question. So, yeah, really? first of all, one of the big misconceptions about crop circles is the fact that a lot of people think that the crops are cut um, in, inside the, the shape. And that's not true. So the, the crops are sort of laid down, not flat to the ground. Usually the stalks will come up, oh, I don't know, maybe two or three inches, something like that. And then they'll be bent over. They are very often swirled into a circular pattern, though not always. Sometimes the lays in them can be really complex and can create sort of these fantastic effects when you see them from the air with the light. Sometimes they can be knotted or plaited inside. Um, they can have like these fantastic swirled standing centers. Um, and sometimes those can be knotted or, you know, they are equally as much of a work of art on the ground very often as they are from the air. So that, that's one of the misconceptions. Some of the crops are barely damaged. Um, so sometimes you can have a crop circle, say, in young barley. And if nobody goes into the crop circle, nobody sort of goes in afterwards and walks around, then very often the barley will recover by a phototropism. And it will recover to such an extent that you would barely ever be able to see that it had been there. I mean, obviously, as the crops mature and they essentially dry out, then that's a different kettle of fish and um, and then they, they will stay flat. So there's that to it. And as they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. So as we were saying before, um, the average is about 200 feet. And the large, one of the largest ones was about a thousand feet in diameter, um, and contained 409 individual circles. Um, some, is that the milk, uh, the the milk, milk hill, hill galaxy? Yes, um, in 2021. Oh, uh, maybe I could show that real quick. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. Let me show that one real quick. Cause I've got that one here. That is one of my favorite ones. Let me, let me know if you see this one. Can you see that now? Let's have a look. Oh yes, there I can see it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That, that one is absolutely mind boggling. It is. Yeah. And so how many circles are in this one? It's 409. Um, and, um, the, the largest ones are about 70 feet in diameter. Um, and the really, really tiny ones are maybe just a foot or a couple of feet in diameter. Um, and, um, yeah, and it appeared overnight. Um, it wasn't there 
overnight. So yeah. if the fact thing was not there the That's day right. before. Yeah. yeah. And it had also and then someone woke yeah, up. It had also um rained really heavily um the night it appeared. And um oh and there, it was pristine. There was no mud or anything inside it. It was just yeah, utterly pristine. And and from the photos I can see it looks like those circles, the crop in there is pretty tightly swirled. Yep. Is that is that That's correct? That's right. Yep. Yep. So th this was sort of right at the end of the summer in 2001. And um, so oh the crop God. would have been really ripe, almost ready for harvesting. Um, but yeah, they were yeah all swirled. Um, I'm not sure whether they were all in the same direction. I couldn't tell you that for sure. Um, right. But I bet you most of them were. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how angry do the farmers get when these things show up? Well, it's a mixed it's a mixed bag with farmers. Some of them are fascinated by it um, and are very open to it. Um, others who have perhaps had quite a few on their land over the years get pretty fed up with it um, because it can cause quite a lot of damage. Although I have to say most of the damage is probably caused by visitors. Um, but Something yeah, around. Um, but um, I think when the farmer sort of realized the scale of this particular one, I think he was just as awestruck as everybody else. Um, you know, pretty, it's a pretty awe-inspiring thing to have happen. I mean, that's a thousand feet it diameter? Is, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is absolutely it stunning. Is, yep. 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 Oh, it, it, let me ask you a question. Is that the most amazing one you've ever seen, or have you seen some other ones that really baked your I noodle? Think, yeah, I've seen many that have baked my noodle, but I mean, for sheer scale, I think that one is sort of one that, that's held up as, um, you know, one of the most iconic crop circles of all time. Right. The ones, yeah, that, that is most iconic. And um, there'd be, there'd be many others. I mean, there, there was a really iconic one that appeared at Stonehenge back in 1996, which was a Julia set fractal. Oh, and, I've got that um, one too. We've got to show that yeah. one as well. Yeah. I love was, that one. Where's the Julia yeah, set? It was just incredible. I had that one up. That was, yeah, right outside Stonehenge, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Um, and this that, is like that across was a, the street from Stonehenge? Yeah, literally across the road. And um, that this one is 151 circles in, in this circle. There's an interesting story about this one that, um, that a group of tourists had gone flying over Stonehenge. I think it was sort of in the late afternoon, the day that it appeared. It was the 7th of July, 1996. And when they had um, gone out and flown over Stonehenge, they didn't see this crop circle at all. And it wasn't until they were coming back about 45 minutes later that they actually spotted this in the field. So, you know, there's a, you know, a big question mark as to whether, you know, this, this circle appeared in broad daylight in, in a very, very short period of time. But it was it was visited by so many people with it being literally across the road from Stonehenge. Everybody could see it. I think the farmer had to just give in and, and let everybody visit because he wasn't going to be able to keep them out. There was a, a friend of mine actually took a survey with a theodolite in this crop circle. And one of the things that was really interesting about it was that that where the larger circles are, that's where the highest ground was. So, I mean, the other thing that another misconception is when you see 
crop circles in an aerial photograph like this that you think that the ground is flat when it isn't at all. Undulating. It's yeah, it's like it undulates. And um and this one, yeah. So where where the ground was the highest, the circles were the biggest. And then as the, the ground would fall away, um, then you would the circles would get smaller. So uh, I mean it's just another fascinating kind of detail, if you like. Um I mean that's I think that's significant as far as the evidence is concerned, because, I mean, creating one of these things in the dark on a flat ground is hard enough. Yeah. But now you're talking about the ground is undulating. By the time you would finish it looking for above, it wouldn't look perfect. No. It would look discombobulated and disorganized. But these are undeniably aesthetically pleasing yeah. when you take these aerial photos. Yeah. Um, so that's I think it's an important piece there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And this one you thought this one was originally thought to be a Fibonacci spiral, but as you look deeper, it was a, a Julius set. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, phi is something that we find in a lot of crop circles. Um, so I think the the original thought was, oh, I wonder if this might be um, a, a a golden section spiral, but it wasn't. It mm. was actually a Julius set fractal. Um, so yeah, it's. Could you explain that to everybody? What is a Julia set? Um, gosh. Um, well, fra um, fractal shapes are essentially, they're like self-replicating, self-similar shapes that repeat over and over again. Um, and um, the Julia set, I believe, comes from um, mathematical equations to do with chaos theory. They are, they're repeated. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of equations are repeated over and over again. And they, they on a computer, you can generate these images. I mean, fractal geometry is, is not a new thing. You know, simple fractals have been known about for a very, very long time, but, but modern sort of more complex fractals is a, um, a relatively sort of new part of, of geometry. I mean, we also had a Mandelbrot set in, back in 1991 near Cambridge. In fact, very, very close to where Mandelbrot studied. So, um, you know, it's, it, you know, that, that's been one. We've had other fractals as well. The Coke snowflake fractal as well. We've mm -hmm. had as a, as a crop circle. So, yep. It's very, very interesting, you know, that the fact that we would be presented with all of this, but to me, sort of the fractal formations kind of, you know, speak to the connectedness of all things and, and, and also that relationship between the macrocosm and the microcosm. And also to do with time, you know, there's something about uh, infinity or, you know, the, the idea of everything being in the moment almost, I, you know, there's something about that to them as well. So I think they're, they're really interesting on that level. And they, they are incredible starting points for conversation or theory and ideas you know but again i for me they kind of speak to that to that idea of the interconnectedness of all things and and that that everything essentially comes down to number shape and geometry all is number <laughs> i had this thought the other day you know it, it's great to decode the the crop circles but what do you think about could it be that whatever it is and you know, I'm just going to go out and say this. I don't think these are all man-made. So whatever it is that is creating these things, is it just trying to get us our attention? Is it just trying to say, 
maybe your reality isn't quite what you see every day. <laughs> and to piggyback off of that, um, wh when did these kind of start or when were these really being noticed? I mean, do these go back? I, and that's probably a, a point of contention, I'm sure. But um, because they, they come up every year, right? Yes, they do. This yep. is. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sorry, that just that just boggles my mind. <laughs> so they're coming up every year. They're there. And and then so, so what? What does it mean? Like, what, what do people think? Like, is it just there to get us our attention and say, hey, th there's a little bit more going on here? What do you think about all that? Well, I think they're definitely out to get our attention. I, I just think, you know, the magnitude of them and the regularity with which they appear is definitely, you know, saying, look at me. But I mean, there are so many different ideas. I mean, first of all, let's, let's look at the question of how long have they been going on? There are two schools right. of thought with this. So the first school of thought that is that this has been going on for a very, very long time. Um, and certainly there are records of um, circles appearing in crop fields that, that go back a long time. Certainly, mm. you know, some farmers that I've spoke to talk about sort of even their grandparents talking about them and telling them about them. So, so this goes back quite a way. So, so one school of thought would say that maybe they sort of started, I don't know, maybe as early as certainly recorded, um, formations in the sort of maybe in the, the 19th, 20th century. But there is another school of thought that this goes back a lot further than that. Um, there's a, a very famous woodcut um, called The Mowing Devil, which I think dates back to um, the 1600s, um, which shows the devil mowing a circular patch in a field. And there's a little story that goes with it that the farmer was looking for um, some farm hands to help him bring his crop in. And when he found out how much they wanted to be paid for this, um, he said, better the devil mow it um, than me pay you that. And this became sort of made into a, a, a woodcut. Um, some people think that, um, you know, that some of the old henges, circular henges in the UK could perhaps be part of, of what was going on as well. Um, and just the whole idea of, as well of sort of marking the landscape in some way. I mean, we've been marking the, the landscape in, in Britain for thousands and thousands of years. Um, you know, whether it's um, shaping the, the landscape with barrows and um, bell barrows and things like this, or maybe the white horse, at, the chalk white horse at Uffington, which is thousands Brilliant. and thousands of years old. So. It's, it's very interesting, you know, maybe in some way you could say that the, the crop circles are kind of mimicking that in some way, or maybe the two things have, have kind of grown up together, if you like, over, over time. So it, I don't think there's enough evidence one way or the other to kind of say with any definition which one of those is true. But what I think you can say is that as we began to pay more attention to them, particularly from the mid to late 70s, that their numbers started to increase. So again, you know, one is asking the question, is mm. there, is this reflexive or reflective? Is this somehow interactive with human consciousness? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting, um, interesting question to ask. But yeah, so that, that's the kind of 
the answer about how long how long has it been going on. I think as for the ultimate meaning of it, there have been many, many ideas over the years. I mean, these designs have been shown to people from um, native cultures, you know, who kind of recognize them as messages from Mother Earth, for instance. So that, yeah. that you know, there, there's a school of thought that crop circles are somehow generated by by the Earth itself, which is a very interesting idea. Yeah, there yeah. are others who like to go the you know the extraterrestrial hypothesis, um, or maybe the ultra terrestrial hypothesis. You know, so yeah. there's, so there's lo- lots of that ideas, lots of those ideas as yeah. well. Personally, I I just think that whatever is going on here, that there is something somehow that is connected to it that has to do with some sort of consciousness. And yeah. however you want to describe that is entirely up to you. I, I prefer actually not to describe it. Only a safe way to be. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I also <laughs> think it just stops you from making assumptions about it as well. So, um, so, but yes, I, you know, there is definitely something that, you know, even if it doesn't come from the crop circles themselves, there is something that kind of gets in there between human consciousness and whatever it is that's going on in the field. And people can have a connection to it or an experience with it or even an ongoing relationship with it. Again, my friend Michael would often talk about sort of nudges and winks that he would get from the circles themselves, you know, when he was trying to work them out or trying to understand them, you know, ideas would come to him and he'd no idea where it came from. I, I do think that they enable a connection to one's creativity. Um, they do attract very creative people to them, you know, whether that geometers, mathematicians or artists, even musicians, you know, are very, very um, drawn to this, you know, because there is something incredibly creative about it. And I do think that contemplating the circles, you know, whether that's just looking at them or meditating upon them can be an access doorway into that incredibly creative state of mind that we all have somewhere inside us. And again, you know, it also, I think, gets us involved in the idea of looking for a universal philosophy of things. You know, and and as you said very well, you know, this idea that reality is not the way that we currently think that it is. It is much more, you know, using those words again, reflexive, reflective, that we're not entirely passive. We're not object and subject in the way that we like to think that we are, that actually we have a relationship to reality that is not very well understood. And I think, you know, phenomena like crop circles or even the UAP phenomena, when you, you get into the high strangeness aspects of it, you know, you start to read people like Patrick Harper or John Keel or even John Mack, you know, you, you begin to realize that, that actually there's something going on here. There's, there's some fundamental part of what it is to be human that we don't currently understand very well. And that actually we cut away from our experience of what it is to be human. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think crop circles can equally be 
a catalyst for that, but they're also a symptom of it in some way as well. You know, it's it goes back to that idea, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, which which comes first. And I think there's an element of that to the crop circle phenomenon as well. You know, are they a catalyst for change or that are they a symptom of change? And I think the answer is that they're both and. And again, that's another thing I think that phenomena like these teachers, it's not a an uh a this or you know, it is a, a both and reality. Yeah, I mean, these things get into your dreams. I dream a lot about crop circles because I spend a lot of time with them. And, you know, I've had, I mean, the article that I, I wrote that you read came to me in a, in a dream. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of woke up one night and, um, and I'd been dreaming about, about the phenomenon. And suddenly I just, there they were, these ideas for writing this. So I'm not, it's not going to allow me to sleep. So I get up and I write it down and, and then it's, you know, a, a process of refinement and really thinking deeply and, and hard about this to shape it all into the ideas that they became. I think, you know, I mean, the crop circles also don't just speak to us in, you know, through their geometry and their shape, but they have a body language. They're, you know, an almost a nonverbal kind of communication as well. You know, whether it, we talked earlier about, their placement in the landscape. So that not just, for instance, that a lot of them are in sacred sites or areas around sacred sites, but some of them have significant dates and places. There was this amazing formation back in 2008 that was shaped like a huge infinity symbol, which is hmm. like the figure eight. And, yeah. and that appeared on the 8th of the 8th, 8th of August, 2008. So there is some of that going, you know, that, that lovely kind of trickster element as well. Um, yeah, like a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a sense of humor with this. Um, it's incredibly playful. Um, sure. you know, and again, you know, one of the things that my friend Michael would say is that, you know, that the crop circles are put there like toys on the nursery floor just to kind of see what we'd make of them. And, and he would have yeah. seen it as you know, how we respond to it is kind of like an IQ test, really. You know, I, are, you, are you really getting this? Um, or, right. you know, are you not? Um, you know, he, he also said crop circles were mirrors in which we could polish our souls, which is very deep, but I think very true. Okay. So, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about a subject like this is that, you know, you can dip your toe in as far as you like. You know, um, you know, you can either dip your toe in and enjoy that and, and walk away from it, or you can, you know, tear off all your clothes and dive in. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it really does kind of depend on you, um, the, the extent to which, you know, you, you want to go with this. And, and again, I just think there's something really beautiful about that, you know, that it's not a, not a shocking or. Um, something that is an unpleasant or shocking kind of experience. I mean, I do think really? that I do think it does. Once it gets to a certain level, it presents us with a certain level of cognitive dissonance um, because it, it is presenting us with ideas that are difficult for people to take on board. Sometimes, I do think really? you know that that very often people come to a crossroads with it where. Again, you know, we, we come to the idea of are they real or not? Are they, you know, are they man-made or not? 
Um, and, you know, and, and again, could that be the point maybe, or one of the points to, to stretch, to stretch your mind to the point where you're going to go as far as you're going to go yeah. and, and maybe just to get people thinking, um, I, I mean, I, I often wonder, like, are, are we in a way rendering them ourselves by just sort of being there, being aware of them? And then maybe it's feeding us a little bit more because of the people that are there. I know that's a topic that's 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 coming out more in the UAP topic now. Um, and I think uh, Dr. John Mack did a good job of of explaining that as well as John Keel. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned John Keel. I'm just about to finish his book Operation Trojan Horse, which uh, yeah. is touching on that a little bit in yep. the book. Um, it, it has an intimate relationship with the person observing it or a group of people observing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's very interesting. I, there is something completely symbiotic about it. Um, you know, that, um, as I say, I, I think it responds on so many levels to the people that pay attention to it. I think the crop circle phenomenon so far was probably at its height from 2009 to 2012 and then numbers have slowly declined since then although they did uptick again last year and I and I wonder whether some of that is because people are looking again at this because of what's been going on with the UAP stuff particularly in America so um you know I think that's that's interesting if people start to pay more attention to it you know maybe we'll see a little bit more sparks it going going on in the fields yeah. Can we talk about the placement of them a little bit? Yep. I mean, there's a lot in Wiltshire, right? Yes. A lot of these, there's a high concentration there. They do pop up around the world, but for one reason or other, we see a high concentration in Wiltshire. Can you talk about some of maybe the theories or, or, or why that could be? I mean, there's obviously ancient sites there, which may have a connection. I've heard the, the ley line connection yep. or underground aquifer. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of those and what, what people kind of feel yep so i mean it is interesting the placement of them is interesting there have been a lot in wiltshire over the the years and the other county is hampshire as well but they're they're sort of central southern england um and also into sussex as well so that's sort of going eastward um they have appeared sort of all all over the uk really um i mean there is there is a lot of grain grown in those areas. There are, as you say, a lot of chalk aquifers where there is underground water in those areas too. Um, so th those might be some physical kind of, of reasons. Cropsicles are kind of also placed in, in very interesting ways. So like we were saying about the Stonehenge formation where the largest circles are, you know, on the higher yeah. ground. With the Milk Hill formation in 2001, that was on the highest point in Wiltshire. So Were you there? That was the video, right? Um, no, that, so that's the one we looked at earlier, the, the really big one. Oh, 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 the Milk Hill Galaxy. Yeah. Okay. So, I was thinking of the other one where you have the video. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, the, so, right. So, yeah, go ahead. Talk yeah, about this so one. So that was on the highest point in Wiltshire. So on, on the highest ground there. Um. They are, the, the placement is also important because sometimes it's really in sync, in sync with the landscape. So, for instance, and I first noticed this a long time ago. I think it was back in 
maybe the mid nineties, I was visiting a, a circle um, at a place called East Meon in Hampshire, not actually not too far from, from where Steve and I live now. And we walked into the crop circle from the side of the field. And as I was, I walked into the circle and then turned around to, to look, we'd walked along a tractor line. So in the UK, we don't spray fields from the air um, because the, it's not big enough. Our country isn't, countryside isn't big enough. So the fields are sprayed with tractors and they have two huge booms that come out either side and they go up and down the field. So they leave these kind of tractor lines where you have these two sets of two lines going up and down the field. So we walked into the circle through along one of these tractor lines. And as I look back, I saw that this particular tractor line was aligned with like a gap in the trees at the side of the field. And, and it, it was almost the placement of it was just uncanny. And it, and it was as if it had been placed there for some reason with, with that in mind. And there've been others as well. There was a beautiful crop circle again, it's not far from Stonehenge. It was in 2002 and it was this huge design of, that had like six ribboned arms really, really beautiful design. And this one was placed in a field where there were several um, round barrows in the field. And each one of these arms, these six arms, kind of either touched um, one of these barrows or they touched the edge, edge of a tram line that went down the edge of the field. or It was just placed in that field where it was touching each of these things without it impeding on the design itself and maybe i could share that one real quick i think it's this one right here is that this one that's the one so yeah. so you can see there that each of the the sort of the arms there kind of mm -hmm. touches or kisses sort of the various things that are going on in the field so and there's, that must have been placed there knowing that. Because, you know, I mean, the odds of, of you placing I mean, yeah. something on that scale in that field without it sort of looking odd or cutting something off somehow must be a million to one. So, <laughs> you know, again, you, you kind of look at that and you think that's utterly deliberate. And again, that. I think, you know, that just shows that it's been placed with intelligence, you know, that, that, that of some kind of thought. So again, that there's that sort of thing going on as well. Um, in other, in other countries, I, I know that you've had circles in the U S not, not particularly yeah. recently, I don't think, but they've been at places like Serpent Mound in Ohio and other sacred sites in, in the US. It's the same in Europe as well. Um, in places like Germany, where there are many sort of stand, they have many standing stones like we do in, in, the, in the UK. They've been placed yeah. there too. So, and again, I, I think there's, there's, they're making a connection, I think, between the past and the present. And certainly when you start to dig into the geometry of sacred sites, particularly stone circles, you find that a lot of the, the canon of number 
that you find in those those sites you will find in the modern day crop circles so so it's kind of almost like yeah like a like attracts like that you know that yeah. again that that idea of relationship going on there so places like stonehenge and also avery which is actually the largest yeah. um, stone circle in england um is is a very very popular site over the year, years for crop circles so yeah, again, drawing drawing our attention to the you know the ideas that underpinned those sites, which is why you know for me crop circles are temporary temples. They're modern day sacred sites, if you like, because uh, really? they embody so much of what our older ancient sites embody as well. I mean, even to looking at sometimes crop circles mimic what's going on in the sky, so. We had a a total solar eclipse here in 1999, and um, <laughs> there were crop circles that referenced that that year. But there was also one year we had a transit of Venus across the face of the sun, and there was a formation <laughs> that referenced that too. So, you know, you know, and again, research now shows that a lot of our ancient standing stone sites were to do with the link between astronomy and um, geometry on the ground so you know it, it is it is fascinating but for me it's it's not just about calling our attention to those things but it is about that idea of of the connectedness of all of these things Amen. together you know and that that idea i mean those kind of philosophies going all the way back to plato and maybe even before plato you know this golden thread through time um, you know, you, you go even going back to ancient Egypt and the way that some of some of those temp their temples were built you know, with the you know the rising and setting of sun on solstice and and so on. And again, some of the geometry you see at Stonehenge that you know John Michel has written about so eloquently, we find in yes. crop circles all the time. In fact, there was a a, a really beautiful crop circle a, a couple of years ago, 2019, I think. It was a place called Clearwood. Um, in Wiltshire, right. and the, the geometry inside of that was directly linked to the geometry at Stonehenge, which was not so far away. So, again, you know, squaring of the circle. Yeah, I mean, squaring of the circle is something else that we find. I mean, that's astonishing, actually. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of our understanding of that comes from the work of a, a geometer called um, Alan Brown, who again worked with John Michel yeah. um, on his book How the World Is Made. And, you know, yes. he showed that a lot of crop circles contain squaring the circle um, in ways that actually we'd not thought about and, you know, new ways mm. as well as older ways. But it's very, very common. Look back at the symbolism of that. So in traditional cultures, the circle was representative of the divine. Um, it, you know, it, it represented sort of the, the perfection of the design. It was unity. And the square was about material reality and the 3D world because um, the square produces the first 3D shape, which is the cube. So that relationship between the divine and material reality or the soul and the body, it's that myth, that relationship between the ineffable and the material, I think, is what that is drawing our attention to. So, and I, and again, yes. that the fact that, that you find it, that it's so common in, in 
in the crop circles, I think is just astonishing. Yeah. One of, I don't want to uh, veer off too much here, but I would like to just pay homage to Jean-Michel real quick. I, again, I just sort of discovered Jean-Michel in about the past three months, mm-hmm. but I've read um, Dimensions of Paradise. Yep. So I'm about to start Crook and Solly. Yep. Um, but that, that um, diagram that he made uh, based off of Stonehenge and the New Jerusalem, where he's connected that to the earth and moon squaring of the circle, that absolutely blew my mind when I saw that. And then when I started to realize that some of that is found within the crop circles, I was like, okay, something is, something is clearly going on here. Yeah. Um, it's a wink to, uh, it's a wink to you, the, the world that you're living in, sort of. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. Um, can I ask you, have you, did you meet John Michelle when he was alive? Many, many times. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, what was he like? He was, he was a dear man. He was, how can I do He was, he was fiercely clever, but in a wise way. And, mm-hmm. and his, un, his understanding of things like ancient measure. So units mm-hmm. of measure used in, in the, um, in the ancient world. And also the connection between geometry and astronomy was just out of this world. Um, and if you've not, if, I mean, if you've not seen it and not read it, then you really should read his book, How the World is Made According to Sacred Geometry. It's a really big book. It was his final work and, um, and kind of encompassed kind of all his major findings. Um, he was funny too. He, I, he had incredible sense of humor. Um, and, um, yeah, he was, a, he was a, he was a great man. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something earlier, uh, in the conversation about sort of the hitchhiker effect, yeah. um, when certain people enter the crop circle, they may take things home with them, um, whatever they may be. Do you have any experiences like that? Or do you have any stories like that? Yeah, a, a couple. I think one of them I wrote about in that article was a, about hearing a strange sound in my house, and it was it was during back in back in the summer of nineteen ninety three, and and during that year, I had been working with a a group of other researchers, and we were looking into this idea of was there a connection between what was going on in the fields and human consciousness. And so we had, we devised a whole set of kind of experiments, which we, we carried out and actually culminated in the appearance of a, a, a crop circle. Uh, but that, so that summer I was deeply invested in it psychologically and was thinking about it a lot. Um, and, mm. and in fact, the sounds, strange sounds are sometimes heard in crop circles. Um, they've been also recorded in them as well. Um, there's, there's actually one very famous one, which a researcher called one of the early researchers, Colin Andrews was being interviewed by the BBC inside a crop circle. And they heard this, like this electrostatic kind of sound. Hmm. And it, it actually, um, ruined the equipment of the cameraman and the sound man that were, were there. Um, but they had been heard it other other times before too um and mm. so one one afternoon i was at, i was stood in my kitchen and i was washing up as you do and um mm-hmm. and i was 
um, looking out into the garden. And all of a sudden, I kind of just became aware that I could hear like this kind of static, electrical, static kind of noise. And at first, I just thought I wasn't, it was something I wasn't hearing properly, you know, that was in outside. And I thought maybe it was a car alarm or something that was going on, you know, that I could just about hear, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I stood there, I began to realize that whatever it was, was getting louder and, and louder. And so I dry my hands and I think, what the hell is that? You know, it, it, and I, so I... I was had a friend staying with me who was actually taking a bath at the time, but the, my bathroom was on the ground mm. floor, so I was able to, to call out and say, "Can you hear that?" You know, um, yeah. and they said, "Yeah, I can." What is it? And I said, "I don't know." So I decided I would walk out the back door and just see if I could hear what it was more clearly. And as soon as I took a step outside, I realised that the noise wasn't outside at all; it was actually in, in the house. So I came back into the house and all the time it was getting louder and louder. And it was just getting to the point where I was starting to feel slightly frightened by it. Um, and I, um, and I was looking around, the TV wasn't on, the radio wasn't on, you know, there was, there was nothing on in the house. And then all of a sudden it just stopped dead. And it was, and it was kind of even more astonishing when it stopped, you know, so for suddenly to just stop like that. And I was just, I mean, what do you make of something like that? It's, it's so, I mean, it's so hard to rationalize something like that, isn't it? So, but I, I just felt that I was so, as I say, psychologically invested in what was going on at the time that I, I kind of just maybe acted as an antenna for it, you know, um, you know, like almost something, yeah, like a like a strange attractor or something, you know, um, for it. But I've had, you know, sort of various experiences over the the years with this. I mean, another another really really weird one was, um, um, seeing a, a cube in my bedroom, and um, mm. and I was I was just in bed one night. I was laid on my side. And I wasn't asleep yet. I was kind of, you know, awake. And I looked down to the toward the bottom of, of the bed, and I could see what was a black cube, which looked about two feet by two feet. Um, yeah. And it was, I was really shocked by it. And I sat bolt right up in bed, as you would, because here yeah. is something that really shouldn't be here. And and within seconds, this thing kind of, I tell you, it's very hard to explain, but it kind of moved towards me and it kind of shrunk down to nothing, shrunk up, shrunk down to nothing, shrunk, and then went straight into my chest. And, and I sat there kind of almost hyperventilating. Um, and I was... I was I was actually quite frightened and um and I did Imagine. not go to sleep for a long time after that I can tell you but again yeah. I, what do you make of something like that it's it I don't know um you know it's just one of those experiences that you just think well this you know this definitely happened but I mm-hmm. don't ask me what it means or what it was because I really I just I really don't understand I I thought the symbol of 
symbolism of it was interesting. Um, the cube. You know, I, I, that, that was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and shake your head. And then, of course, you berate yourself because you think well, you should have had more presence of mind and done something, you know, or said something, you know. But in what, the moment. what could you possibly make of something like that, right? Yeah, in, exactly. in those moments, yeah. in a moment like that, you, you would just be stunned. Yeah, yeah, which and, I was, um, yeah. As most people are. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why, you know, you hear that a lot in the... Uh, uh, in the UAP field as well, when people see something, they're like, well, why didn't you video it? Well, you're just, you're probably just completely struck. Yeah, you by are. What you're, looking you're at. struck you're just, dumb by it. You really are. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what, what am I looking at here? You know, you're not in your mind. You're probably not like, oh, I should get my camera right now and videotape this UFO that's flying over. You're, you yep. can't believe what's going on. Yeah. That you're just stunned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can imagine that is, <laughs> that is a little, uh, a little earth shattering. Yeah. Um, what I'd love to do, if you have some time, um, I've got some some photos of, of some some crop circles and some formations and some stories uh, that go along with. Maybe we could kind of look at those and, and talk through them if you have a few minutes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I wanted to prep everybody with this one. This is the. Um, so I think it was in the early '70s. Carl Sagan and, and is it Francis Drake sent out the uh, the binary code from the Arecibo. Yep. Uh, observatory yep and yes i'm not um, sure who the characters were but yes that happened yep yeah so they sent out so i want to just share the binary code they sent out i think it was in 1974 just to kind of prep everybody with this story here let me see if i can find it here it is so um let me know when you can see this yep Okay, so this was sort of the binary code that they sent out in 19, I think it was 1974 from the Arecibo, here it is, 1974, November, yep. um, from the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. And do you know what some of this code is and where they sent it to? So I think, um, I'm not sure where it was sent out to. Um, I know some of the code um, refers to how the message was sent. So at the bottom there in purple is that's to do with the, with the, the, the satellite, um, sorry, the, the dish, it, the dish it was sent from. Um, I think uh -huh. then obviously the little red guy is meant to be, to represent human beings. Human I think beings. there's something to do there with maybe DNA, um, the DNA. Yes, in the middle, I believe. Yeah. And then maybe something to do with um, the composition of life on Earth as well, uh, i.e. carbon-based life. Um, and maybe even our, um, I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere, is um, our position in the solar system. Um, so we're the, right. the location of Earth as well. So I think all of that is wrapped up in there somewhere. And then... Um... Miraculously, uh, in was it two thousand and one? I think it was. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah. A crop circle appears um, in England. Correct. That's right. And let me see if I can find that one here. I believe that's right here. Let me see. Yep. Here we go. So then this comes back. 27 years later is that right my math is correct or something about that yep something like um, that yep 
And this is near a different observatory or a different telescope. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. This is near the, um, the Chilbolton radio telescope in Hampshire. Yeah. In the UK. Yeah. And this, so this is, is obviously also binary. Yeah, it is. And, and also it's, this is upside down compared to the other one. Oh. So there's a little bit of that going on there. So, but what you can see at the top there of, of the picture that you're looking at is the bit that mm -hmm. corresponds in the other one to the, the method of transmission. So in, in the yeah. Arecibo message, the, the transmission is the dish, the Arecibo dish. Whereas in this one, mm -hmm. it's actually a crop circle. And, and that mm -hmm. crop circle design had, had appeared, I think maybe the year or, or two years before, um, at the Arecibo telescope, I'm uh, sorry, at the, the Chilbolton radio telescope. So, so that, that sort of there, and then you can see he's upside down, but you can see the little guy there who's, who's sort of got a, a bigger head and a smaller body. Yes. Um, right there and, in the middle. And yeah, that's him. And, and then there are some other details which seem to suggest, I think, and I didn't, um, do this decoding, but, um, that they were more silicon based life form rather than right. a carbon based life form. And. There was something about their location, but I, I don't remember offhand the detail mm -hmm. of that. So yeah. And, and was so, there another formation there as well that happened yeah, at the same time with the face? That's right. Yeah. Then there was a, um, sort of a face in a box, um, which was made. I think I have that one. It was made from like the, the face itself oh, was no. made up of these kind of like, it was done like a dot matrix printer where you had sort of larger and smaller dots that kind of gave the um made up the face maybe this is the one uh nope that's not the one hmm, i must have lost it but yeah I, yeah I saw that one there as well um i thought that was fascinating also um yeah i mean i mean so i mean and, and that one popped up overnight as far as we know as far as we know yeah yeah so yeah. highly complex shows up overnight um Clearly a response to something that was sent out 20 some years later. I mean, if that's a hoax a and you didn't get paid yeah, on. Or a reference to it. Yeah. Or yeah. a reference to it. I mean, even it. if it's not. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I kind of tend to think that um, with, with a lot of these types of phenomena, that to take them too literally is not always a good idea. Um, and, um, you know, so I my approach to that would be, but yeah, definitely we need to see kind of the differences. But then I'd be looking at, you know, the idea that maybe what's being communicated here is the idea that the crop circles themselves are a form of message from some something or somewhere. Um, so so yes, I I would be I wouldn't take it flat literally. Um, I would right. be be looking at, at you know the. Um, Again, the, the sort of the subtleties, the, the body language, if you like. Mm -hmm. One other question I had, I, I heard this um, and I haven't found anything else to, to back this up, but is it true that there are black helicopters that sometimes fly around the formations observing them? I mean, is, is that lore or do you know if that's something that actually does happen? Um, no, I think it does happen. Um, um, but 
I don't know the intent of that because it, the yeah. thing that people have to understand is that Wiltshire is home to Salisbury Plain, which is the largest um, military kind of um, training and testing range in in the UK. So there there yeah. are always um, military. There's always military stuff going on. You know, um, you know, you can hear sometimes hear the guns going on Salisbury Plain in the Wiltshire countryside. I've I've seen yeah. helicopters come in and look at crop circles. Definitely, I've seen that. I've been in the field mm. when it's happened. Um, but yeah. again, you know, it's so hard to tell what they're doing. You know, are, are they there just because you know they're they're training and they're using it as a target, or you know, are they mm -hmm. just curious? You know, like the rest right. of us, or or are they there to sort of observe? It's it's very, it's difficult to know. Um, but yes, it happens mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so there's another one I'm sure highly controversial that I'd love to talk about. Um, you might know what I'm about to pull up here. Um, and this one was in your book towards the end. Actually, you know, what? I want to show the face real quick. I have found the face. Here it is. Um, so just so everybody knows, this one showed up right next to the possible response to the binary code. This was right there. And do you know how big this one was? Um, it's probably between 150 and 180 feet on the longest side yeah. somewhere. I don't know the exact, but looking at the distance between the tractor lines, it looks about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And is the, uh, is the crop woven there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's made up of of standing shapes of various different sizes. So some of the really mm -hmm. small ones towards the center are just like tiny standing tufts of wheat, whereas some of the others mm -hmm. are, are obviously sort of bigger shapes. And you can see that they're not, mm -hmm. some of them look circular, but they weren't actually circular. I think they had a sort of a, a slightly sort of diamond shape to them. Um, but right. fascinating how it was done. And it, it, you know, looks amazing <laughs> as well. It's almost like, news, yeah, that... you know, like the, the way they used to do photos in, in newsprint, where they, they would right. use a dot matrix to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very fascinating. Um, yeah, there's one more, uh, one or two more I'd like to pull up here. Um, let me see if I can find this one. I think it's right. Where is that one? No. 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 Where did you go? I found it here. Ah, here it is. So this one, um, very interesting. Uh, also binary code in that circle. Is that correct? Um, I don't. I don't think it is binary. I think it might. It might have been ASCII, something like that. Um, so I'm not. I'm not sure what the code was, but. I don't think it was binary. Um, and where did so this one pop a ASCI, something like that, something ASCII code. Um, this was 2002. It was, and yeah. where was this one? Um, it was a place Hampshire? called Barsholt in Hampshire. Um, okay. And um, you can see there that it's near a, a radio, um, near a, what's that? It's near a radio mast there which you can oh, just yeah. see um on the, the the side of the photo there and right. i went I, I went inside this um particular crop circle oh, it was um 
massive. It was big, um, but it was just unfathomable at ground level. You just, you had no idea what you were standing in at all. And the, the design itself was made, made of lots of lines and some were um, wider than others. That's kind of how the design um, was kind of made to, to give that sort of light and shadow. It was just incredible. Um, I mean, and it was, that is, that's insane. Yeah, it was to it do was that. Also, rock. Yeah, it was also just, I don't know, it was like fizzing. I, it's very hard to, um, to put into words, but it was like fizzing with energy. It was, um, you felt it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is that something that happens in, in other crop circles or is this one kind of special that you were feeling that? Um, it, it does happen in other circles. People have all kinds of feelings in inside the formations. But this one to me was just, it just felt really energetic. I'd say it's just, it's hard to put into words how it feels. But um, yeah, it, yeah, fizzing. And it, what did you say? The um, you said that this was decoded because I saw That's this right. in your book that you had the yeah. words here. And, and what what was the how was it decoded? You said this wasn't binary. You, what did you call it? I think it was ASCII code. ASCII, A C A S C I ASCII code. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, um, do you remember off the top of your head what the code stood? Or oh, I could pull it up. Um, I think it said something like we we oppose deception. Um, and, yeah. um, then it said, oh gosh, this is a test now. Um, uh, Beware the bearers of false gifts yeah. and their broken promises. Much pain, but still time believe there is good out there. We oppose deception. That's right. Yeah. So, what, what do you, what do you mean? Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty wild. That not only how big this thing is, what it looks like. I mean, there's clearly a face there that is, I'm just going to say this, it's non-human. Yep. And then you have this, this language that has been decoded and that's the message. Um, what, what, what do you make of that? It's, <laughs> it is, it's so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just mind blowing, isn't it? And, um. I think I think the message is very interesting. Um, you know that that idea of almost keeping the faith with something. I think is very interesting. Um, I think the face itself is fascinating because um, you know I for me this this crop circle was all about the idea of um, the idea of the other and and kind of how do we um, how do we see it, you know, and, and also the importance of, um, putting a face to something. Um, and, um, and I, I found it as a crop circle, I found it incredibly confronting, you know, compared to a lot of them, which are, are very kind of, um, I mean, normally crop circles that they're sort of mandala like they're, um, they're beautiful. They're um, there's a gentleness to them. Whereas this is, you know, I mean, he's really in your face. Um, mm. You know, um, if you want to pun. So, um, 
I don't, I mean, the answer is I don't know what to make of it. You know, I mean, there are some people who will literally take that as being a message from a gray alien, you know, um, and, right. and maybe they're right. I don't, I mean, I just, I don't know. There's no um, way to know. Th there's no way to know. And I, for me, I, again, I, I just, I have a really open mind about it. I, I think, um, it could be exactly what it purports to be, you know, um, uh, you know, or, I mean, I, I think there's something playful about it as well. You know, that, you know, yeah. the, the, the image itself, I mean, again, I, you know, it is, it's confronting, but it, there's also, you know, that playful element to it as well. I mean, it's very, it's really interesting because I didn't get to fly over that one. And, um, my other mm -hmm. half, Steve was in the helicopter that day, um, flying that one yes. and he didn't even know what it was. He said it, he came down and from the flight and he said, I've, I've been flying over this really strange crop circle. He said, I really don't know what it is, you know, and it, and, um, and it was in the days when we were shooting on film. So we had to take the film to be really? developed. And, and when we got the prints back, I, I mean, I was just astonished. Um, and, and I don't think he saw it at first. And I said, look at this, you know, look what it is, you know. Um, but he said he, at the time he was doing the flight, he was just concentrating on trying to get the photography done and get it right and everything that he mm -hmm. didn't, you know, he just didn't even see the, the design, which I thought, again, I just thought was interesting. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I think a lot of people get some real, you know, ontological shock when they start to look at something like that, you know, as well, they might really, um, you know, because, um, as I say, it is, there's something quite confrontational about it, but it's an, it is an interesting message as well. Inter yeah. Yeah. And I'm always weary of people that say, this is what it is. Um, I'm very skeptical of people that say, I know what this was. I mean, how could you possibly, I mean, you're dealing with something that is so mysterious, so anomalous. You have no idea what no. this is from. All you can see is the evidence and then how it maybe affects you and how you think about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, talking to other people, you know, who, who, who have spent time looking at it or um, actually went inside it. I mean, there were lots of people who went inside that one. Um, you know, is they is all a, felt that, yeah. that sort of static. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing that that formation carries is it, it carries a hell of a lot of power. Um, it's incredibly powerful um, as, mm. as an image. Um, you know, we, you know, again, you know, you look at, you compare it to other circles. There's something, you know, A, that sets it apart from um, many other, other crop circles. You know, it, it, you know, it is, it's, it's powerful, it's confronting, it's stark. Um, but it's, it's also playful. I, maybe those are qualities, um, of NHI. Yeah. Well, Karen, I, I want to respect your time and I really want to thank you for, for chatting with me today. I've, I've really been looking forward to this for a very long time. I'm sorry. We thank didn't, you very I'm much. I'm so sorry we didn't get to do it sooner. No, no, it's fine. I'd love, I'd love to have another conversation with you sometime if you're open to it. Yep. Sure. That's no problem. Yep. Fantastic. Do you have any future plans? Uh, anything in, in mind for your for your website, Temporary Temples? Um, um, 
Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, um, you can find us at www.temporarytemples.co.uk. Um, that has everything on there, really. It has an image library that goes back to 1994, um, and it's all free to go and have a look at, um, you know, to go and see all the different shapes and places that these things have appeared. Um, and it's got hundreds and hundreds of crop circles, so you, you know, you'd be there for days looking at them all. Um, I do run some online courses. Um, we do some drawing, um, and we also look at the consciousness side of, of the crop circles. Um, so there, there are, and I do those with Jeff Fitzpatrick. Um, so yeah. they're called crop circle explorers. Um, and there are, I do various bits and pieces online, sometimes do lectures online. We have an annual online conference as well. Um, and you can get our crop circle yearbooks there. Um, which we've been publishing since 1999, every year since then. Um, and um, they they showcase the best of the circles from each individual year. And then um, I do a little bit of writing in them about sort of about generally about the phenomenon, but then also particularly about the circles that are in the books. So that's how and where to find it. Yeah. And I'd like to just point out one thing. This happens so often that you have a yearbook that yep. every year yep. these things are popping up and you have a yearbook. <laughs> I mean, I just want to, that, that is mind blowing. It is. Um, it? Yeah. You know, so. I mean, I mean, you know, that's the other thing, you know, that you have to bring into the equation when you're looking at, you know, the possible origins of this is just how long it's been going on. It's longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Mind-boggling stuff here, Karen. Thank you so much. Um, oh, you're very welcome. I really appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. I'm, I'm utterly fascinated. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. I hope you guys are enjoying the content. If you're finding any value, please hit that subscribe button, that like button, and leave a comment. It doesn't cost you anything, and it really helps out the show.